0: If you got your Bibles, a couple of places you're going to go. The first one will be Judges chapter 16. Actually, we're going to go to Judges 13 first. We'll go there first. Judges chapter 13. And we're going to finish up. we pretty much got it done today. But we're going to finish up tonight. Real quickly. Not going to take long. We're going to get to ministry. Now, we am going to go ahead and tell the ushers to go ahead and lock the doors because what you didn't know is that tonight (laughs) what you didn't know is that tonight is not the curry show right I get to do this all the time I get to pray for people 24-7 so, tonight, you've, this week, you've been going... How many of you have gone through the training? Okay, put your hands down. Who has not gone through the training? Let me see your hands. Okay, now who needs healing? Let me see your hand. Okay, probably about 90%. Okay, now, those of you that have gone through the training, tonight is your night. See, I didn't spend all week here telling you that you can do this for me to come up here and just do it all. Tonight you get activated. You get to minister. Alright? Those of you that have been in the training, those of you that the leadership here know, you will be ministering to the sick tonight, as will I. And if you don't mind, I'm going to reserve what is classified as terminal and serious cases for myself. And you're going to get everybody else. Alright? But you're going to get a chance to minister. I'm going to walk you through it. It's going to seem very mechanical. But it's going to work. Because God's power is mechanical. Because He wants it to work. Amen? So don't, don't get afraid or anything. It's going to be alright. We're going to tell you exactly what to do, how to do it. <clears throat> but we're going to finish up today. Do remember, you remember what we were talking about when we finished up today? Back downstairs? You don't remember? Okay, that's good. No. Remember <clears throat> we were talking about how the baptism of the Spirit brought power to bring deliverance to the captives. And that you are to enforce that deliverance. By releasing the power of the Spirit into people by various methods—speaking, laying on of hands, that kind of thing—remember that essential. That's what I remember I read the letters from Doctor Lake and some of the things, and he said this was a secret to exercise the dominion of God through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right. So tonight I'm going to prove it to you through Scripture, and then we're going to minister. So first off, Judges chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 24. Now, this is a story of Samson, how he was born. There it is. Wow, I'll just read that. You won't have to read my Bible. But in verse 24 it says, And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And notice verse 25. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtabh. Now, notice what it says. The Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. That's the way the church usually operates, is the Spirit moving at times. But if you've studied the life of David, whenever Samuel anointed David to be the next king over Israel, he, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. Right? The church needs to stop operating like Samson and start operating like David. Instead of operating, oh, should have been, two Sundays ago, should have been here. Man, it was awesome. Oh, we hadn't had a service like that. It's been about six months. Remember? Spirit of the Lord, move us in. That's not the way the church is supposed to be. It should be all the time the same. The Lord, God, He changes not. right? Jesus is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. So the spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if there's times when he doesn't seem to be moving, it's because we're not moving because he is. Amen? Now, notice. It says that the one bare son called him Samson, child grew, the Lord blessed him. Now you know the story of Samson. It's not a good story. Not really, not overall. It ends up okay, but it kind of got bad at one point. But if you go over to Judges chapter 16... You know the story about Delilah and how <clears throat> Samson got messed up with a Philistine woman and it caused him trouble. His parents didn't like it. They kept telling him, find somebody of your own tribe. But what he said was this. It said that he, they didn't understand that he was trying to pick a fight. That's why he kept going over to the Philistines. And every time he'd go over there, he'd pick a fight, he'd beat them, and then he'd come back. Now, Let's look at, let's start about, oh let's see, where do you start? Let's start about um, verse 15. And she said unto him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times and have not told me wherein your great strength lies. Now, notice this. Three times she tells Samson, "Where is your strength?" Three times he lies to her. Isn't that right? Then she does what he says, and he jumps up, goes out, and kills a bunch of Philistines. Now you would think after the second or third time he would learn. Isn't that right? Now I'm think about this: when you picture Samson, automatically you picture somebody like Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? All that muscle, you know, how they have that. You can just hear, you know, kind of like Sylvester Stallone and Samson, you can just hear it. Yo, Delilah. (laughs) Okay, you just kind of picture him, right? But now let me tell you, Samson didn't look like Stallone. He didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because if he had of, the Philistines wouldn't have went to Delilah and said, Find out where his strength comes from. Because when you look at Stallone and Schwarzenegger, you know where their strength comes from. It's those 24-inch biceps. Isn't that right? There's no question about where their strength comes. But they couldn't tell that about Samson. So that means he didn't look like them. He probably looked like Woody Allen. Now think about that. Now, if you saw Woody Allen rip the gates of a city off, what would be your first remark? Find out where his strength comes from. Because we know it in his muscles, right? So here they're trying to figure it out. He lies to her three times, keeps the anointing. Tells her the truth one time and loses it. Any right? So what's the motto? Lie and keep the anointing, tell the truth. No, that's not the motto. Remember that. That's not the motto. Okay? But it's amazing how it worked. It shows how mechanical the anointing was. He had a covenant with God, and it worked. Right? Now, notice what he did here. He tells her three times, and then at the very, let's see, it goes on down, uh, finally, verse 18. Go to 18. Because he tells her in 17 what the secret is. It says, And when Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him. There's that affliction, outside persecution we talked about. And his strength went from him. Verse 20. And she said... The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not, that means knew not, that the Lord was departed from him. Now, this is the point I want to make tonight. This is what you've got to get. To function freely in the anointing, you have to realize that the anointing itself, himself, has absolutely no feeling. There is no feeling in the anointing. Now, as you're operating in the anointing, you may feel things. But what you're feeling isn't the the anointing in and of itself. Because if that was true, everybody would always feel the same thing. But if you talk to different people, different people feel different things. So what everybody's feeling can't be the anointing, but it's how your body might react to the anointing. Okay? Now, the thing to remember is this. Notice what he said. It said that, when he got up, he said, Okay, it's going to be like it always is. I'm going to go out, shake myself. Now, that's what it says. He's going to shake himself. I don't know if that means like they do on the wrestling thing, you know, where they get out and slap themselves in the face and yell and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But whatever it is, he's going to shake himself. And it says, And I'm going to go out and kill me some Philistines. And not that right? And then it says, And he did not know that the Spirit, that the Lord, had left him. Now, think about this. He goes out shakes himself and then jumps in the middle of the Philistines but this time they grabbed him and held him because he had no power right because he didn't feel the anointing now think about this if he had not if the anointing had had a feeling before when he got out there and shook himself he wouldn't have felt it hence he would have known that the spirit wasn't with him right he would have got out there and said "All right, here we go let's go hello, Lord, what's the deal? Right, Lord, hang on, just a minute, I'll be right with you. Hang on, hello. Isn't that right? He would shook himself and he wouldn't have felt a thing. And he would have known that the Spirit was with him. So that proves that he never felt anything anytime he went out to fight him. That proves that every time he stepped out, he had to step out in faith trusting in the covenant that he had with God and with no feelings. Isn't that simple? That's what you've got to do. That's your part. Your part is to step out in faith, trust in God that the anointing is there, and that it will operate, and it will accomplish what it is sent to do. Isn't that right? Now, let me ask you this. What is the anointing sent to do? To destroy the yoke. Isn't that right? Any yoke a person has, the anointing, will destroy the yoke. That's what the Bible says. Right? Now, go with me real quick to one more place. Let's go to 1 Samuel. Chapter 10. Now remember about this, about the anointing, because I want to bring that up in just a minute. 1 Samuel, chapter 10, verse 1. Now this is when Samuel went to anoint David to be king of Israel. Saul had already been... Well, actually, this is when he went to anoint Saul. Sorry about that. I want to talk about David too here in a second. But in chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel goes to anoint Saul Saul as king of Israel. Now, let me ask you this. Was Saul a good king? No. Started good, ended bad. Right? Now, whenever he went bad, did that surprise God? No. He knew what was going to happen, didn't he? But he still anointed him. Right? He was still king. God still recognized his authority and his positioning. Even though he knew he was going to go bad. So that knocks out the idea that, well, God's not going to give you power if he can't trust you with it. God's not going to, he won't anoint you if he knows you're going to end up doing something bad or something wrong. Doesn't that prove it? Because he anointed Saul, he knew what was going on. Saul didn't surprise him. Whenever Saul had his problem, he, you know, God didn't go, man, where'd that come from? I didn't see that coming. He didn't have any idea like that. He just said, looked at, at Saul and said, yep. Why? Because he had put Saul in there to do a job and he gave it to Saul. And now right now I'm going to show you what he told Saul. Watch this. Samuel, it says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil, poured it upon his head, Saul's head, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Now, notice this. First off, he is anointing him with oil. So here's an anointing. Next, he says, Samuel says, Isn't the reason I'm anointing you? Physically here with oil. Because God has already anointed you to be king. Isn't it right? So we're looking at least two anointings. There's a spiritual anointing that has already taken place. And the physical anointing was just to show that the spiritual anointing had taken place. Right? Now, so we have... Now notice what happens. Saul is already anointed. And they anointed, anoint him again. Watch. He says then... When you are departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say unto you, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses and sorrows for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then you will go on forward from there, and you will come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God, to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. Now, this, Samuel is prophesying all of this. This is a pretty specific prophecy, right? He's detailed. He says, And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which you will receive at their hands. After that, you will come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass, when you are come thither to the city, that you will meet a company of prophets, coming down from the high place, with a psaltery and a tebray, and a pipe, and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And notice verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Now wait a minute, I thought He was already anointed. So here, we have, He was already anointed, and yet here we have the Spirit coming upon Him. Remember what He said about Luke 4.18, how Jesus said how, that God has anointed me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because God has anointed me? See, we say we're anointed because the Spirit's upon us. Jesus said that the Spirit was upon him because he was anointed. The anointing takes place first, then the Spirit comes upon you because you're anointed. That's what happened here. Saul was anointed first. And because he was anointed, the Spirit came upon him. You get that? See, you get born again. That's the anointing. That is the truth. See, the word anointing means to be appointed. When Saul was anointed king, he was appointed king. And so, you are anointed, you are appointed a son. John 12 As many as believed on him gave he power or authority to become the sons of God. That's the new birth. But then when you get baptized in the Spirit, then the Spirit comes upon you. That is the Spirit coming upon you because you're anointed as sons. When are you made kings and priests? When you're born again, Right? when you're born again you're a king how did Saul get to be king he was anointed king well you're anointed as a king you're appointed as a king and when that happens then you have the power and the authority to become sons of God and after that the spirit of God comes upon you so I'm trying to show you that the two are not they are connected but they're not one and the same next he goes on the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. Now if you go into Corinthians, it says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It says old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. Now that's when it says you'll be turned into a new, a new man, a new creature, a new creation. This whole episode with Saul is an Old Testament type of the new birth and the baptism of the Spirit. So now let's see what God said after you're born again, Saul, in a, in a manner of speaking, and the Spirit comes upon you, baptizing the Spirit, how should you act? Here's what he tells him. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, when all these things have happened, you've turned into another man, Spirit of the Lord's come upon you, that you do as occasion serve you, for God is with you. You get that? So how are you supposed to act when the baptism? After you're born again and filled with the Spirit, how should you act? You do as occasions serve you. Another way of saying that is, what you see that needs to be done, do it. Isn't that clear? You know, now notice what it doesn't say. Let's read it with the, in the New Christian Version. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that you do exactly what I tell you to do, what I tell you to do, and how I tell you to do it, and don't do anything until I tell you to do it. Is that what it says? But that generally is the way the church operates. And yet we wonder why we don't see much. And I'm here to tell you that, just like Dr. Lake said that the seeker was teaching his workers to exercise dominion because of the baptism of the Spirit, that God has given them power Do you think, well, now God would not just give people the power, give give people power just to go about just healing anybody, just setting anybody free. He's not going to just give you just a, a blank check, so to speak. Yeah, he did. And he even signed it in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? See, you have to not believe it. Because there's scriptures that he said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Isn't that right? He wrote those scriptures. You didn't put them in there. But see, until you believe what I've been teaching you this week, you can't believe those scriptures. Because you'll always have qualifications. You, know, you can't believe whatever you ask. You'll say, well, that's silly, because what if I ask this, or what if I ask that? But you know that once your mind is renewed to the Word of God, you won't ask those things. And see, that's how all this works. And until your mind is renewed, you won't even know what to ask, because you can't prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But this week, your mind has been renewed... To the truth about power and healing and how to minister. You get that? It's done. You've got all the information you need. You've got the same information that I have given to over 20,000 people. That every one of them writes to me, calls me and gives me testimonies of literally dozens and in some cases hundreds of healings and deliverances that take place every week by any of them. You're no different. is they Right? Would God treat the Christians of Duluth any different than he would treat anybody else anywhere else? Does he not like Duluth? Right? Let me ask you this. Has Benny Hinn ever been here? I mean, in the Duluth area? He hasn't been? In Minneapolis. Okay. Well, then, God must know that Minneapolis needs Benny Hinn. But apparently, he's left Duluth to you. You yeah. get He trusts Duluth to you. Amen? So you're going to have to step up. Now, one more scripture. Let's go to uh, Luke. Yeah, Luke. Luke chapter 10. Very quickly. When Jesus sent out the disciples, after he was crucified, rose up, he gave what we call the Great Commission. Isn't that right? When he gave that great commission, he said, you go into all the world, you preach the gospel, you heal the sick. He said, you, you make disciples, right? And he said, whenever you make these disciples, you teach them to observe, means to know and do, everything that I have commanded you. So everything Jesus told his twelve, he said for the twelve to pass on to everybody else. So we ought to be doing the same thing the twelve did. Right? Notice what he says. Now in, yeah. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1. After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them... Now this is what he told the seventy. So it's not even to twelve, but to seventy now. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth, cast out laborers into his harvest... Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves, carry neither purse nor script nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. Verse 5. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Stop there. Now, what is he talking about? Houses? Going into a house? Isn't that right? At that point, he said house. So we're going to say he's talking about a house, right? That's what he said. Now, watch the next verse. And into whatsoever city. So he switched from houses to cities. Whatever city you go into, in verse 8... And into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Verse nine. And heal the sick that are therein. Therein where? In the house or the city? In the city. Heal the sick in the city. He says, and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So when you go into the city, you heal the sick. And you tell them, the kingdom of God has come near. How did I do this? By the kingdom of God. Isn't that right? Now, that right there, that one verse proves to you that there should be no sick in your city. Isn't that right? He didn't say heal some of them. He said heal the sick in the city. He didn't say which ones to heal. He didn't say which ones not to heal. He just said when you go in, heal the sick. See, what you have to realize is that healing the sick is part of preaching the gospel. Healing the sick is part of telling people the kingdom of God is available. It's at hand. It's not. It's come near to you. Right? It is part of preaching the gospel. Demonstration is part of preaching. You get it? Now, now, here's where you get hung up sometimes. You think that only preachers, so-called preachers, preach. If you're a Christian, you're a preacher. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. That means everywhere you go, you should be ministering to the sick, helping anybody. The Bible says to give to any man that asks you. Anybody along your path. Now, remember the story of the Good Samaritan and, and how he went and helped the, all the priests, the religious, religious people walk walked right by But the good Samaritan helped, and Jesus said, "Who is your neighbor?" And basically, what their answer was, whoever needs help, and whoever will help them. Isn't that right? So it's not a matter. You notice Jesus never gave qualification on anything like that. Only we do that. So the job is to bring deliverance to the captives. Now, I got to give you. I'm going to give you a couple of testimonies because now remember, those of you that are that are sick and you need healing. I'm really not talking to you so much right now as I am talking to people that have been through the training. So, we're not trying to necessarily raise your faith or get you to a place where you can receive. We're, I'm getting them to a place where they can give. Right? And if I get them to a place where they can give, then it's pretty easy for you to receive. We're more interested in giving than receiving. Right? Why? Because it's better to give than to receive. Right? You always quote that don't you believe it. Right? Now, when we first started... We, we didn't know what we were doing. Okay? We had no clue. Early on, I started getting a hold of a bunch of videotapes and different things of people like A. Allen, Jack Coe, all these different people. Watching these old healing services. Watching the miracles take place. And, you know, Allen, A. Allen was wild. Amazing. His name was Asa Alonzo Allen. And it was amazing because you watch him. And when he first started, there was a guy that went to work for him. That was his song director. The man could not sing, couldn't play an instrument, it was sad. But he went to work for him because it was the only position open, and he wanted to work next to Alan. And so he took the job. And this guy's name was Bob, by the way, or Robert, they called him Robert, but it, they called him Bob for short. And Bob would get out there, and you could watch these old videos. I've got over 300 videos of A. Allen, Jack Coe, some of the different guys like that. And so we put these, I'm watching these things, right? I'm laid on my couch. Back then it was all VCR and VHS and that kind of thing. And I'm pushing play and watching it and falling asleep and it would kick out. And I'd rewind it and watch it again. I'd lay down, God, I want that. I want that. All those guys are dead. There's nobody to go to. I want that. How do I get that? That's as close as I could get to it. So I just watched it over and over and over. And Alan was amazing to watch. Because they'd they'd be up there singing and having their worship time in the beginning. And Bob would be leading the singing and it was really sad because he couldn't sing you know, Now i got where I kind of fast forward through that. You know, and I was watching. And then finally he'd say, Now here's your evangelist for the evening. God's man of faith and power for the hour. Evangelist A.A. A. Allen. And as soon as he said it, Allen would come out from behind the curtain and he had his Bible under his arm. And he was kind of like a Christian Groucho Marx. Because when he came out, he would walk out real fast and he would stop. Had that Bible and he goes... Is God going to heal anyone here tonight? Oh, the crowd would go wild. Amen. Hey, well, believe with me. And they'd start bringing people by and they would come up on the stretchers and they'd be covered over a sheet. And he would ask them, are they dressed underneath the sheet? And I said, yeah. He'd take that sheet and whip it off of them. And he'd look and he'd say, this is pitiful. My God, this is awful. And he would reach down and he'd find out what's wrong. What's wrong with their leg? Well, their leg won't work. It's frozen. It's paralyzed. They have no feeling. All right, well, believe with me. And he would grab hold of that leg and he would start to move that leg. And he would move it around. And he'd say, in the name of Jesus, leg, you begin to work. You begin to work. And he would move it. And finally, at some point, he'd say, all right, now believe with me. And he'd grab him by the hand and he yank him off that stretcher. And when they landed, they better be healed. Right? But they were It was amazing to watch him jump up, dance around, and get all excited. And I saw him do all kinds of amazing things like that. And then you had Jack Coe. I was watching Jack Coe. Big man. Big guy. And he was, had a real gruff... He really gruff. And he would get out there... And I remember this one little lady... A little bitty woman. little little Pentecostal bun. You know, up her head. little bitty lady. And he'd get up there... And he had this big... You know, they had the big old microphones back then. And they even hung them on their neck. Right? I'm talking about the big old... And this thing hanging up. See? Bling ain't new. they have been having bling for a long time. Alright? The Pentecostals had the first. Anyway. And they had this big old thing on... You know, and he would sit there and he'd go... He, this little woman come up she was standing there just so sweet and he said well mama what's wrong with you? put that microphone out she, uh, well my back hurts and I got some pain alright and he put that microphone down and he big old man right she'd just be standing there here's, now here's a clue never let a healing evangelist get behind you don't do it right he would get up there and he would grab a hold of her and his hand would just cover her head and he would grab hold of her and he'd go, "All right, down!" And he would bend her over, and she's going down, up, down, up, down, up. And you ought to have seen this little woman, because she was totally shocked, because he had her by the head, and she was going down. and Every time she goes, she was like, Help! Ah, ah. I mean, you could just. <laughs> Finally, he gets done. He pulls her up and goes, "All right, how's that?" And this woman's kind of like, kind of dizzy. She goes. I'm healed. I thought so. It just, that's just the way he just wowed, you know. And I'm watching that and I'm like, yeah, bless God, that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, and you're laying there thinking, you know, it's like midnight at night. And you're thinking, God, where's somebody sick? You know. So I'm watching all these videos, right. And I was going to a, actually it's called Trinity Lighthouse. It was Assembly of God Church in town I was in. And I told them, I was an usher, door I mean, anything they needed, I'd do anything. I was just there, I'm like, let me do anything, I don't care. So finally I told the pastor, and I said, if you want me to, I'll teach a class. He said, all right, I well, want you to teach a Thursday night Bible class. I said, okay. He said, what are you going to teach? I said, well, I'll teach, I don't know, Bible doctrines. That'll work. I had P.C. Nelson's Bible doctrine book, so I get that out, and we're going to have this class, and the first Thursday night, we're in there. And so I'm going through it, and I'm not used to preaching long times. So I preach... You know, it was pretty short at that point. It wasn't day-long seminars and three-day seminars. And so after about 30 minutes, my voice started going out. I was doing this all the time, trying to drink water. (laughs) You could barely hear me, and I wasn't used to it. So by the third week, this friend of mine came up and said, Brother Curry, I I noticed your voice keeps going out. I said, Yeah, you know, I'm just not used to it. He goes, Well, there's an old preacher's trick that'll help you. I said, Really? Yeah. He goes, If you take a Sudafed then it does something that lets you preach longer. And I thought, I ain't never heard of such. He said, yeah, it'll work. So he brought me some Sudafed. And I said, okay. Because I, I, I wasn't used to taking medicine then anyway. And so I take this Sudafed just before I'm fixing to preach. And just so having that night, I'm going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling people, I you know, take that Sudafed, drink the water, and I'm ready to go. And I start preaching about 30 minutes into it, you know. Man, I'm preaching, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. When He comes upon you, He will clothe you with power. And bless God, you need that power. And about 30, 45 minutes into it, all of a sudden I'm like, glory to God, He's here. (laughs) I can feel it. I can't feel my fingers. I can't feel my legs from my knees down. Glory to God, it's the Holy Ghost. Everybody get up, get up, get against the wall. Let's go, let's do this. We turned down the lights, turned up some Pensacola revival music, you know, bless God, we're going through there. Yes, Lord, we will ride with you and all this kind of stuff. And I got people up, and I'm walking through there, and I'm, receive, receiving the people. It was amazing, though. I started laying hands on them, and they started screaming, falling down, getting healed, getting delivered, you know. And after about 30 minutes, I'm walking through there and kind of like, Yeah, bless God, this is good. Ooh, oh, yeah, you know. You ever seen the movie Apocalypse Now? I think it's, what was it Robert Duvall walking on the beach he's got his hat on no shirt and they're trying to surf in the middle of all the bombings and he gets out there and he goes God I love the smell of napalm in the morning you know that's kind of the way I feel it's like yeah bless God give me somebody put somebody into my hands come on and I'm ready to go we go through all this stuff right I go home that night the Holy Ghost lifts I think it's over so no need so we go back next week we go back in Next week I'm teaching on the initial evidence of the baptism of the Spirit. Speaking in other tongues. What tongue, how, why you need to speak in tongues. Why it's a blessing to speak in tongues. How the power is generated through speaking in tongues. All this kind of stuff. But before I started preaching. I, that worked last week. I was able to preach all the way through. My voice didn't go out. Take another suit of fed. Take some more water. I'm ready to go. I'm in there saying, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need the tongues. It brings power. It's not weird. It's not strange. Glory to God. Whenever you get the tongues, the power will be there. And all of a sudden, i like, glory to God, He's back. <laughs> you know the drill. Get up. Get against the wall. Let's go. Let's do it. Man, going to... Now, in between though, right? That Sunday, after the first Sunday, I have to give a report to the pastor. And so I tell him what all is going on. He gets up in front of, the, sun, in front of the, the morning worship on Sunday. And he's got this slow Texas draw, you know. And he's like, well, I don't know what's going on in that Bible doctrine class. But we had 16 healed. We had 14 delivered from devils. You know, just all this stuff going on. And then finally he came to me one day and said, Brother Curry, you know, I've never had people join the church just to go to a Bible doctrine class. And so the next Thursday, the class is double because everybody's wanting to come in and see what's going on. So we go through the whole thing all over again. And they're just bless God, here he is. Let's go. Let's it. And we go back in and it just keeps growing. So finally, the next week, I go back in. Just fixing to preach. Just fixing to take my suit of faith because it's working. Right? My voice is working. I can preach for an hour and a half. It doesn't bother me. The man that gave me the suit of comes up to me. He says... But Curry, I just wonder how that Sudafed's working out. And I said, yeah, it seems to be doing good. Well, I was wondering because, you know, some people can't take Sudafed. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He said, some people, it affects them weird. I said, really? What do you mean? He goes, We well, you know, sometimes you can't feel your fingers. Things like that, you know. And I'm saying there going, hmm, well, really? Do tell, really? That's uh, I didn't know that. Hmm, that's strange. And inside, I'm thinking... I will never tell a soul what's going on. Okay? <laughs> Nobody will ever know. But then I'm thinking, then what has been happening? How were people getting healed? How, Because they were really getting healed. How were people getting delivered? How was that really happening? So I'm real quiet. I go home. I start to pray. I start asking God, what is this? What's happening? He said, this is what he told me. He said, you were waiting for a feeling. And when you got the feeling... You thought it was the anointing and you started acting anointed. You were anointed the whole time but you wouldn't act like it until you had a feeling. You get it? See, the church... See, we think that the national anthem for the church is Amazing Grace. It's not. It was written by B.J. Downing Thomas. It's called Hooked on a Feeling. That's the, that should be the national anthem because that's what we're waiting for, isn't it? Everybody's waiting on some kind of feeling. I'm you, the anointing has no feeling. So all that time, I was waiting for that feeling. And when the Sudafed gave me one, I acted like it and it worked. So we just... since Now see, the first time I did it, I was acting. But I've never had to act since. Because now I know it works. Then after that, we went down to Pensacola. And I got a hold of some tapes and then watch these videotapes of this guy named David Hogan. And he just fired me up. And so, I'm, man, I haven't preached in like six months or so. And I'm, I mean, I'm pumped, right? I'm, I want to pray and I want to minister to people and I want to preach. And I got all this stuff ready. So finally... We go out to visit my grandmother about 80 miles away from there. And on the way out, we stop at this little Pentecostal Church of God. And so we go in and talk to the pastor a bit and say hi and that kind of stuff. And introduce ourselves. And he says, well, we'll have to get you out here to preach for us sometime. I'm like, yeah, great. Let's do it. You know, win. Now I'm ready to go because I don't have anything, right? Nothing scheduled. And so we go back home. I don't hear from him for about two or three weeks. And usually if you don't hear from him by that time, you're not going to. And so I just, I'm going up to the hospital. I'm praying for people. But then he calls and talks to my wife. says, have Curry, come out and preach next Sunday. So I get back. My wife says he wants me to go. So I'm like, glory to God. Now what am I going to preach? And I'm starting to think. You know, because i got so much, I have to whittle it down to about an hour. And I'm trying to think. So I think, you know what? Nobody knows how I preach. No, I don't have, I at that time I sure didn't have CDs or anything out. I didn't have tapes or nothing. So I thought, I can just go out there and act like David Hogan. They won't know. They've never heard me, hadn't heard him. So I can just go out there and act like him. So all the way out there, I'm listening to these tapes. And man, I'm, I'm getting fired up. I, and if you ever heard David Hogan, he sounds mean. And so I'm getting pumped up. And I get out there. And we got, you know, our whole family, we got all the sayings down. You know, David's got this little Indian dance. He does. Side. And he's constantly going, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. And he's got the little handkerchief out of his pocket. And, he, and we had all of his sayings. You know, like, I know you'd have done it better, but you wasn't there. And see, we had all these things. And we're just constantly going back and forth. And so... I get out there, I let my my son and some of his friends speak for a few minutes. My daughters sing a couple of songs, they have the worship time. And this church, you can tell they're used to being in there by 6 and by 7.30 they're home eating. Right? So it's not a long, drawn out service. But by the time I finally get the microphone, we've already been there like two hours. And here I am ready to preach for another two hours, I mean, I'm ready to go. So I get up, and I get behind that that pulpit, but I mean, I am... I, I'm, I'm wanting to be just as straightforward so I get up and I said let me tell you something I said who in here isn't born again let me see a hand and you could see the look on the people's faces they were looking at me like glory to God he's going right to the altar call we'll be out of here in five minutes okay you could tell us what they were thinking and I said let me tell you you know if you're born again the people around you know if you're born again and they know if you're not so if you're not raise your hand come on and I had two guys on this side look and like put their hand i like glory to God all right Now, I said, here's the deal I'll make with you. After I preach tonight, if Jesus doesn't show up, you go right back out that door. You go back. You live any way you want. You go back into sin. You do anything you want if Jesus doesn't show up. Because any God that won't show up when your salvation's on the line isn't worth serving. And I said, now, on the other hand, if he shows up, you serve him. I said, is that a deal? These guys look at each other kind of like, I think the odds are on our side. We've never seen Jesus show up in any church we've been in so far. (laughs) So they're kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, we can do that. So I'm I'm there. there So then I said, now, the rest of the service, I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to the Christians. So I'm not even talking to you. So I said, now, Christians, now I'm talking to you. I said, who in here has not laid hands on the sick in the last week? Hands up! Who has not laid hands in the last month? Who has not, or who has laid hands in the last I mean, it was like, I had to go back almost a year to find anybody that laid, and find one person, yeah, I laid it. It was about a year ago, and I, and I looked and I said, you're all in sin. If you all died tonight, you'd all go to hell. And you ought to have because the pastor was sitting right over here, and they're all looking at him like, you going to let him talk to us that way? And I, I looked and I said, let me tell you something. I said, I have to set myself, my own faith, to raise myself from the dead. Because if I was to step out that door and get hit by a bus, you'd all look at me strange. You'd come out there and look at me and go, well, I guess it was his time to go. I said, not one of you would try to raise me up. So I have to set my own faith to raise myself from the dead. And they're looking at me like, can you do that? I don't think you can do that. I don't think that's legal. I I think somebody else has to raise you. I don't think you can raise you. But see, I, I could tell what they were thinking. I said, let me tell you. Jesus said I can do the works he did. He said no man takes his life. He laid it down. He picks it back up. If he can do it, I can do it. And the whole time I was bluffing, because I didn't know if that was legal either, but it sounded good. And I knew if I didn't know, they didn't know, so I figured I was safe. And you had to see them. They were looking at the pastor like, you have a crazy man in your pulpit. What are you going to do? You know, and they're just sitting there. I think we, I preached for about two hours. Nobody moved. I think they were just scared. I'm not sure. I thought I'd throw something at them, I guess. I know, but after a bit, finally I'm praying. I said, now, I have preached the gospel. Now, who in here needs Healing. Hands went up. I said, alright, if you want to be healed, get up here now. If you leave here sick, it's going to be your fault if you, don't get prayed, if you don't get prayed for. But if you come up here, God's going to heal you. And I said, get up here now. And we had 32 people come up in line across the front. 32 of them. And all of a sudden, when I get there, I said, see, I'm left-handed. So I'm, I naturally kind of am drawn to the left side. So I, when I look down, I go to the left. And so I go over to this man. And there's this man standing there. Nice suit. A like a deacon. You know, had that deacon look. Right? Nice suit. You know what the difference is between a deacon and an Air Force Security Police? You know what that is? See, this is Air Force Security Police. This is a deacon. (laughs) That's the difference. See what? Right? That's the difference. And they both serve about the same purpose. Right? See? They guard the doors. So I'm standing. I get down in front of this guy and this man standing there with his arm. Just like this. Just standing there. And I'm wondering what's going on. I'm looking at him. And I walk over to him and I said, yes, sir, what can I do for you? And he's about to talk. And he looks at me and goes, my arm's paralyzed. There's pain in my shoulder and I hadn't moved my arm in four years. And I'm looking at him and I, I've never dealt with a paralyzed arm. I didn't know what to do. I had never even seen a paralyzed arm healed at that point. Except on the videos with A. a. Allen and people like that. So I'm looking at him and inside I'm thinking, yes, sir, what can I do for you? And that's what I wanted to do. But I knew if I moved over there, I've been lost. It's over with. So might as well do it now and either win big or lose big right here. If it works, we have revival. If it doesn't, we go home early. Either way, right? So might as well just get it done right now. So I look at it, and I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to start. And all of a sudden, in my head, I saw a ally. So I thought, hmm. And I grab that arm. And I pull on that arm. And when I pull that arm out... Now, his arm hadn't moved in four years. And when an arm or a joint doesn't move in four years, all the bursa, the the fluid, the lubrication in the arm, isn't there. And when I pulled it out, I'm telling you, I thought I could hear it. And I pull it out, and I kind of turn loose a little bit, and it's out here. It's still in the same position right there. And I'm thinking, what do I do now? He was in a better shape when his arm was back here. Right? At least when it's back here, he could drive home. If it's out here, it ain't going to work. Right? It's going to get messed up. And I'm thinking, How do I, what do I do? So his arm's standing there. He's looking at me like, go ahead. So I, have, I grab the arm and I push it back. And I could hear it again. Well, now I'm kind of tied into this situation. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't going to back off, so I just pushed it back and I pulled it back out. And I pulled it back out you could hear it. So pretty soon it sounds like I'm sawing wood it's going back back and forth and I'm going back and forth and I'm thinking God how do I get out of this I could be here all night long doing this how do I get out so finally I figure I'm going to throw it back on him so I'm going with the arm. And I said, all right. Now, whenever I'm going to put, I'm going to let go of your arm. And when I do, you keep it going. So he put it back on him. So I said, yeah, you keep it going. All right. He goes, okay. And why so I said, in the name of Jesus' arm, you work. In the name of Jesus' arm, you work. You function right. You do your job. In Jesus' name, the arm, you work. And I shoved that arm. And he goes, glory to God, my arm's here. <laughs> and, and he's dancing around. that arm going. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm as shocked as he is. I mean, I'm like. Really? I mean, it's Man of faith, right? So I step back. Now, all of a sudden, when it kind of soaks in and you realize what's going on and this stuff really works, all of a sudden, now, the next people down the line, I'm kind of, can't yeah, bless God, we can do this. <laughs> I get to the next guy, and I'm, what can I do for you? And I went right on down the line. I'm telling you, all 32 people that night in that line got healed. Right down the line. I'd never seen anything like it, even on the Allen step. It just shocked me. Now, when I got done with that, I said, all right, y'all go sit down. I said, now, who of you wants to be able to do what you just saw me do? Eleven hands went up. I said, it's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come down and get it." They came down front. They lined up. I'm like, alright. And then I realized I had never led anybody through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost before. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm standing there. I'm thinking, okay, the Bible, the Bible said the apostles laid hands on and said receive the Holy Ghost. And they did. So I said, okay, that's what we did. So I went down, started at the beginning of the line. Received the Holy Ghost. Bam, this guy took off in tongues. I'm like, glory to God. It almost surprised me. Went to the next one, next one, all ten, but the eleventh was this, and there were some women mixed in there too. But the eleventh was this little woman, and when I got to her, I laid hands on her, I said, "Receive the Holy Ghost," turn to walk off, nothing happened. So I turned and looked back at her, and I didn't have near the tact I do today, as you can tell. But when I got there, I looked at her, and I said, "What's the matter with you?" Because everybody else had taken off in tongues, I thought she should do, and she just ended up, and she didn't even answer. She just started crying. And she said, all I know is every time I try to leave town, I get to the city limits and, and I have to turn around and come back and I can't leave town. And I'm like, oh, you got a devil. Well, that's not really the best way to tell people that. Because you ought to see the look on her face. Because you would think you could see it. Because she's kind of like, I do. Where is it? Get it off of me. I mean, you, all of a sudden she ain't crying anymore. She's just worried about where this thing is, you know. And I'm thinking, boy, well, I could have some fun right now. You know? it's on your feet. I could get her dancing. I could. I mean, I could do, had the common sense grab her. And I thought I, I said, all right, here's what. Because see, I've been with Doctor Somerall, and I remember he said you don't always have to cast things out. You just got to do what it tells you not to. So I told her, I said, here's what you're going to do. Now, tomorrow morning you're going to get in your car, and you're going to come down here to the church. And then the pastor's going to get behind you in his car. And you're going to go to the city limits. And if you don't go on through, he's going to push your car with his car. (laughs) And we look over at the pastor and he was in there going... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he didn't want nothing to do with it, right? And I said, you know, we kind of quit looking at him and got back to her. I said, now, is that a deal? And she goes, okay. And as soon as she said that, bam, she took off in tongues. Now, you work out the theology. That's just what happened, okay? So we got done there. I said, all right, now... We've preached the gospel. We've healed the sick. We've seen the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, who wants to get saved? And I zoomed in on those two guys. And they're looking at each other like, Yeah, he got us. Jesus is definitely here tonight. (laughs) So they get up and walk down front. And two other guys walk down from the other side. And I thought, they didn't even raise their hand. But I guess I convinced them they weren't saved during the preaching. Probably when I asked them if they laid hands on the sick. And so I got them down front. Prayed for them. Turned them around. Hooked them up with people in the church. And said, y'all pray and get together. And went out. But let me tell you, that night... That was an easy drive home. Because I went out there not knowing anything of how to do anything. And like I said, that time, I was acting. Acting like somebody that I knew had been doing the job. And when I acted like them, it worked. And since that time, I've never had to act. Because now, I know it works. Amen? I didn't feel anything, I didn't sense anything, I just did what the Word of God told me to do as my job. He can't give me a job and then hold me responsible for doing it unless He gives me the ability to do it. Amen? So with the job, He gives not just the responsibility, but the ability to get it done. Now, remember that I told you about Alan and about his song director? Bob, Robert? Now, here's what a lot of people don't know. Bob traveled with Alan quite a bit. He was with him all the time. But in early 70s, Alan passed away. And they had all these great tent meetings lined up. And so they called Bob and they said, Bob, we've got to do something. We've got these, the, the, the deposits down. We've got all these tent meetings going on. We've got to do something. You've got to go preach. And he said, hey, I'm not a Alan. And they said, we know. But if you're just preaching until we figure out what we're going to do, then we'll figure something out. He said, okay. So Bob goes to the next meeting. He gets out there. And all he does is just act like Alan. Preached the same sermons, everything. And you know what? Same miracles. Matter of fact, it got to the point where he was so much like his mentor, A. A. Allen, that he even took his name and shortened it to initials just like A. A. Allen. And you may know him. His name is R. W. Shambach. And so that's how Shambach got started. Just by watching Alan and then picking up when Alan wasn't there to do it. Now, do you really think... Now, see, people try to say, Now, see, the anointing was passed on. The anointing wasn't passed from one man to another. He was around it. He saw it. He got faith for it. He acted like it. And it works. Because I didn't get Alan's anointing by watching Alan's videotapes. But I did get boldness and faith. And I saw how it could be done. Most people want to do it. They just don't know how. Well, tonight you're going to learn how. Amen? Now, the way I teach you, you may do it this way for a while, but after you get kind of used to it, then your personality will start coming out. And by the time I see you again, you may change and minister totally different. But if you do it like I tell you to do it, it will work. Because God is not a respecter of persons. Amen? He's a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of His Word but not a person's. And if you will operate in faith on His Word, it will work for you. Amen? Yeah. We've pretty much tied everything together. Now, here's what we're going to do. Here's the way you're going to minister. We're not going to get all in an uproar, all chaotic. It's going to be very... Remember Jesus took the people and set them down in groups of 50? He was very organized. We're not going to let all kinds of wildness go on. And so we're going to work this very systematically, but here's essentially what you're going to do. We're going to bring up the people that have been through the training. You're going to line up. You're going to face the, the crowd. Then we're going to find the people that need healing. And we're going to bring them in the, in the uh, aisles here. We're going to have two ushers stand at the front. And the ushers are going to direct you to a person that is available. Right? Now, generally, and the way we're going to try to work this is, we're going to send win- ushers. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to send women to women and men to men. Right Now, if it doesn't work out that way, okay. But we're going to try to do that first. And whenever we get somebody with everybody lined up here, then we're going to hold them back until we pray for them, then we're going to send them back, and then we're going to let more down. Okay? Real systematic. Because believe me, when you get in Walmart, and you start to pray for people in Walmart, you can't get wild. Right? Because they'll run you out. And you want to be able to go back next week. Right? You want to be able to go back there again. So you can minister... Calmly, Peacefully. Because a lot of people, if you get wild, you're going to scare them and you're going to, you're going to drive them away. Right? But if you minister... Cal- See, with a child, you can't get wild and crazy and talk about devils and spirits and that kind of stuff. You just got to tell the thing. Now, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do this with everybody. Children and adults. You don't have to say devil or spirit or anything. You just say, for instance, if they say, well, I have a tumor. You're going to say, Tumor. I command you in Jesus' name, leave their body. Now, the way I usually do it, and remember, it's not an incantation, so the, the way I say it is not magic formula, but I have learned, for instance, sometimes if a person has a blood clot or a tumor, you tell it to leave, it'll start to, to break apart, and sometimes that can actually be dangerous, because when a blood clot breaks loose, it can cause a stroke or a heart attack. So what I have learned to do, is whenever I start to minister to a person with a tumor or a blood clot, something like that, I will say, tumor, blood clot, I command you in Jesus' name, leave their body, dissolve, disintegrate, disappear. But leave with no adverse side effect. That way it's done, right? So, remember, it's not the words, it's the intent that counts, right? Now, you don't have to get specific, you can just, but you're going to ask him what What do you need help with? What's the problem? Now, those of you that are sick, your job is this: Do not tell people your medical history. We are not doctors. I don't need to know that this started when you were four and went through and all this stuff right? All right. All you're going to do is talk me out of faith, and you're going to leave the same way you came. Tell me the name. Tell me what I'm fixing to beat. right. Tell me the name, tell me a symptom, tell me a problem, whatever it is, and I will call that thing. Now, if you don't know, say, I don't know. Now, if they tell you, they don't know. Your job is to say this. Spirit of infirmity, I command you to go. Isn't that it? You can't even shorten it to infirmity. That's the same thing. It knows. Remember, it's what you intend. That's what counts. Alright? What you intend is absolute healing. I even say it that way. I command healing. Head to toe, spirit, soul, and body. Just ways to say it. Okay? But you're going to command it to go. Then you tell the body. Body, function normally. Be healed. Then, the next step is this. And I'll I'll walk you through this. I'm just kind of familiarizing you with it. The next step is this. Once you've done all that, then you're going to tell the person. You're going to ask them. What could you not do? And if they say, well, I couldn't walk. Okay? Guess what you're going to make them do? They're going to walk. Whatever they couldn't do, get them to do it. Right? Now, when you do that, what kicks in is not just healing, but in many cases it will be the working of miracles that will kick in at the same time. And you say, I don't have the working of miracles. You don't know what you got. You have no clue. Right? Well, Brother Curry, that's just not my style. You ain't got a style yet. (laughs) Right? So we're here to help you develop your style. And until you get your own style, use mine. Mine works. Okay? You don't have to wear boots and jeans, right? The anointing anointing is not in the clothing. It's in the person in the clothing. Amen? If it was just in the clothing, man, we'd just grab the shirt and throw it on the ground and let everybody walk over it. That's not the point, right? It is in the Word of God, the Spirit of God, that abides in us. Amen? Alright. Y'all ready to get going? Alright. Let's do this thing now because it's going to work. Alright, let's all... Actually, we don't all have to stand up. Now, those of you... uh, Pastor, you're... Elders, your pe- you mean, leadership, you you know. Them. I mean, obviously you know your leadership. What I mean is, <laughs> there's enough of them here that the people that come up front, all right, are going to be ministering. Now, should have told you this <clears throat> privately, but all right, let me put it this way: if you come up to pray for people, and somebody, an elder or the pastor, of somebody comes and gets you then it is for a special assignment. Alright? Go with them, and they will have you praying for people, specially on purpose. Okay? You got that? So just, you know, just, if they come get you, just go with them. Now I'm talking about you that are praying. Now, if you, and Pastor, I'll explain that in just a second, just, <laughs> just the way I do things. Um, if you have been in the classes and you want to pray for people tonight, then why don't you come down front and line up right here. And if we have to curl you around, we'll do it, right? But let's come on down. Come on down, line up. We're going to get started here in just a second. Pastor, what I'm going to do is, the reason I said that is so that if there's somebody up here you know should not be praying for people, mm-hmm. you can come pull them out. They can still pray, but they won't be laying hands, and that way there's no... Okay, problems. I'm just those of you that need healing, if you can stand, let's get you to these middle aisles and just line up right in front of these ushers here. Okay? So you get your line right up. Now, ushers, what you can do is you can begin sending people down. Start at one end, male to male, female to female, if possible. If, we, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. But let's try to work it that way first. Now, here's the thing. Remember this. Jesus said, you are not heard because of your many words. It's not how long you pray. Jesus prayed short prayers like, Be healed. Right? So it's not how long. It is the fervent prayer of a righteous person that availeth much. Not the long prayer. Right? So you're going to condense all of the spiritual power that you have into a couple of words. And you're going to hit this thing with a force that is going to knock it out of them. Now, Notice you are hitting it with your words, not with your hands, right? You're not going to knock, you're not going to hit them, you're going to hit this problem with your words, okay? Now, hang on just a minute, don't begin praying yet, And matter of fact, I would even suggest, don't even be touching yet. Because here's what we're going to do. Let me get, um, let me see here, let's see. Uh, Let me get, I guess one of you guys, if I can get, can I borrow you for just a minute? What we're going to do... Now watch this. We're going to turn sideways where you can see us. Actually, let turn this way. Everybody look up here. All you that's doing the praying, look up here. Now, you're going to ask them for their hand. That's how you're, you're not going to be laying hands on their head. You're going to take them by the hand. See, all this can be very appropriate, right? You're not going to lay your hand on the afflicted part because that can get very inappropriate, right? So you're going to ask them. You're just going to say, let me see your hands. Now, generally when you do that, if you do like this, they'll do it right. But if you say, let me see your hands, usually they're going to hold them out like this. Because that's the way people are trained to do. They bring their hands up. What you want is you want their hands, palm down. Now, whenever you take their hands, can y'all see this alright? Now, notice what I'm doing. I'm not doing this. Right? Now, why do I not want to do this? Because if he starts to go down, he is going to tighten up, he's going to clamp down on me, and I'm going to go with him. Alright? Ask me how I know. (laughs) So, you want... Fingers to fingers. And your fingers should not extend past their fingers. That way, if he starts to tighten up, I can slip right out and he can go right on down and I can move right along. Alright? I call this the quick release. All right? Just right out. Right out. Okay? So, their palms down. Prayers, your palms are up. You just slide your hand in just like that. Fingers to fingers. Okay? Thank you, sir. That's good. That's all give him a big hand. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Now, so, you're not going to touch yet. You're just going to find out what the problem is. Right? Now, you say, why don't, why don't you want us to touch ready? Because when you start touching, life starts flowing. Now, there are times when I'll take people and just let it flow. Kind of, you know, jumper cable. These are jumper cables. Right? And, and whenever you hold on, that's kind of like that trickle charge. Right? Just kind of slow charge. But what you want is not the trickle charge. You want the quick start. Right? You want it to blast. So, here's what you're going to do. You're going to tell them, what's your problem? Well, I got this problem. Okay. You say, in the name of Jesus, problem? I command you in Jesus' name. Now, whenever you do this, you're going to say, go. Commanding it to go. You're going to say, I command you in Jesus' name. You go. You hear that? That isn't, that isn't from the lungs. It's not from the throat. Not from the mouth. It is from here. From the seat of the Spirit. You understand? From the Spirit. You're going to speak out of that. And I want you to condense. You're not going to pray long. You're going to condense all of that power into one short word. Go. Say it like you mean it. Alright? Convince the problem that you're serious. You've got to convince it. Alright? And the second... Now, by this time, that person's hands ought to be just like this. And whenever you say that, I want you to say, Go! And when you say go, I want you to grab their hands by the fingers, just like that, hold on for a couple of seconds, and then let go. Because at the moment you say it, you're going to grab, you're going to release through word and through what's called contact and transference. All right? And you're going to grab and you're going to hold it, let it flow in, and you're going to turn loose. Why do you turn loose quick? So it doesn't come back. Because it will sometimes. It'll go out like a wave, and you can feel it come back. You don't want it to come back, you want it to stay. Right? You got that? Everybody ready? All right. Now, ask them what the problem is. Step one, ask the problem. You got the problem? Okay, step by step. Step by step. Now. Alright, remember just the name. Now, hold the, Now, tell them, don't, don't hold their hands yet. Just have them put their hands out there. Palms down. Now, speak to that thing. Tell it to go and then grab their hands right then. Go ahead. Good. Good, good. That's it. Strong enforcement. There you go. Good, good. Got to convince it.